I, I, I'm going to talk about happiness, but I was reading the lyrics because I wanted to make sure that it was family friendly, right? <laughs> Sometimes there's a good groove to it, and then, and then you read the lyrics and you're like, uh, that, Pastor Dan played what? <laughs> Where? Huh? Right? But anyway, so you could be happy you're like a room without a roof, which I'm thinking if I had a room without a roof, I wouldn't be happy, right? Because it would mean the project isn't done and, you know, I'm crazy in my head and I would want to finish the roof, right? So anyway, but it is a fun song, right? You agree with that? Oh, yippee, someone got one of those slide whistles, woo, and let's go home. So, hey, inside your program is an outline, want to pull it, pull it out, let's talk about today, about does God just want me to be happy? Um, we started a few months ago through the summer, about a month ago, I guess it is, uh, looking at questions that you guys have asked uh, me, and so through the summer we've looked at that, and this really isn't so much a question as it is a statement that has been shared with me Uh, several times, uh, not only recently, but in my ministry, and that is, uh, doesn't God just want us to be happy always? I mean, isn't that kind of like God's goal and God's plan for my life? If we were to boil it down and say, what is God's goal for my life? And it's just the supreme goal of God is for me to be happy, right? That is a thought and a false theology that we have in the Western area of Christianity, and probably more so in our in the in in America than perhaps in any other uh, country or area where Christianity is taught, and that's that somehow we think that God's obligated to make me happy. That's his like his purpose for creating me is for me to be happy. And so I'm going to throw on a verse to you, and uh, this is a verse that we oftentimes leave out a certain part of it, and we emphasize another part, but just for sake of illustration, if you have your programs and your outline, let's go ahead and open to it. Psalms uh, 97, verse 2, and this is the Living Translation, which I don't usually use the Living Translation, but this is purely for an illustration purposes, all right? May all who are, and we don't pay attention to the godly part, all right? So we underscore that, and we emphasize, be happy, and then we underscore, we, we don't focus on the next part, which is in the Lord and crown him uh, uh, and crown him uh, uh, our glory. Right. Um, so we don't focus on that part. We just emphasize the be happy part. And that is very disturbing. And we'll we'll get into why when we have this mindset where we think that this is what God's supreme purpose in our life is for us to be happy when we have that theology or that thought process. It leads us to make lots of poor choices in our life, all right? So as Pastor Dan loves you guys, he wants to see your life not happy but blessed, which is what we're going to talk about at the end. And, and as a result of that, I want to shift you from thinking of being happy to being blessed and what that means. So if you have your outline, let's go ahead and look at today's uh, lesson. So the first part is man's happy logic or man's happy theology. And here's what many people think. And that is that God wants me to be happy. And that is his purpose in my life. That is his supreme plan for my life. And that's just what I believe God is to be. So here's what we do. Letter A in your outline. Whatever makes me happy must be right, even when I know that it's wrong. Because after all, God's supreme purpose is for Dan and for all of you to be happy. 
And so even though I know that it's wrong, even though Pastor Dan has said and showed a passage of Scripture, and even though I heard a message and I read it in, in, a, in the Bible, even though I know that it's wrong, I, I, I'm not going to worry about that part because when I do it, it makes me happy. And God's supreme purpose in my life is for me to be happy. Let her be. Whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. <clears throat> Even when I know that it's right. Because God wants me to be happy. And so if I do something or I don't do something, even though I know that it's right, all right, if it makes me unhappy, it must be the wrong thing to do. Because God's plan, God's supreme purpose in my life, is for me to just to be, to be happy. Let her see. Discomfort, delay, risk, suffering, inconvenience, and obstacles cannot be God's will. You want to know why? Come on, this is church. You talk back in church. Not too much or I'll throw you out, but you know what I'm saying, right? Why, 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 why is that? Let me, let me just ask. You know how many times I've heard this in, in, in my life? I'm never going to pray for patience. Well, why not? Because every time I pray that God would teach me patience, he like just puts the skids on it and it's a delay, and it's frustrating, and it's awful. I'm never going to pray that prayer again, right? Any owners to that? Okay, right? Yeah. So, so when you look through my little list here, discomfort, did any of you wake up this morning and go, boy, I just tell you, today, I hope today is just filled with discomfort. <laughs> no, right? Come on, be honest. I mean, the first thing is like, Lord, if you love me, just make me happy today. I just want to be happy. Delay, risk, suffering, inconvenience. I mean, <laughs> it's like the end of the world if you get stuck at a red light for more than 30 seconds, right? Isn't it? Especially when it's that quick one and the person in front of you don't, doesn't pay attention and you have to blow the horn. You know, you know that? Yeah, I, I, all of you have been behind me. I, I purposefully wait until the light turns yellow and then I take off just to see if you're going to obey the law or not because I want a room filled with sinners <laughs> and then here's the part that concerns me the most about this whole idea of happiness is when I think that God just wants me to be happy here's what I begin to do I begin to worship the false little g gods of comfort money pleasure and belonging. And that's what I focus on. Now, we, we don't wake up in the morning and go, hey, I'm going to pile all my stuff in the living room, and I'm just going to bow down and worship like an idol. But subconsciously, we begin to worship that. And that becomes our little G God in our life. And that's what we begin to focus on, because in the running in the background of our mind, we believe that God is obligated his supreme purpose in our life is to make us happy. And so he's given us all this thing, all these things, right? We have all of them, and we're just going to bow down, and we're going to begin to worship it, and we begin to focus our mind on the stuff and happiness, and we pull away from worshiping God. And here's what we do. <clears throat> we begin to believe that God is obligated to make us happy. We're not here to serve him. He's here to serve us. And he created me. 
to serve me. And I have created a God that is a formula God. And I have a certain thing that if I do certain things, he's like a, he's like a, a divine uh, uh, vending machine in heaven. And here, and here it is. I got a token. And my first token is prayer. God, I prayed today. Click. God, I, I, I was nice to the neighbor down the street. She needed some help and I helped her. Click. God, I threw a couple bucks in the offering plate. Click. God, it was a beautiful day and I went down and heard that little guy speak. I should have been laying at the beach. There's, there's some big bonus points on that one. Click, click, click. Happiness. God, you're obligated. You're obligated to make me happy. Because I have, I have fulfilled the formula. I have done these things. And, and, and you're obligated to give it to me. And here's the danger. When life doesn't turn out that way, you know whose fault it is? God's fault. Want to know why? Because he's obligated to make me happy. And I'm not happy. And I did all the tokens prayer, right, went to church. Listen, my neighbor's cat was in the road and I purposely missed it <laughs> with the front wheels. I did catch him in the back, all right? So, right? Where's it at, God? And we think he's obligated to make us happy. And then when life doesn't turn out that way, he failed us or he doesn't exist or he doesn't love us like, he, like we think he ought to. Because happiness is what he's obligated to give us. And he is here to serve my wishes and my wants. And I am not here to serve him. And that is the danger of this happiness theology that the Western Christianity has. That God is obligated to do that. And there's a subtle shift in our mind of pursuing him. And we begin to pursue things. And we begin to worship little case G, God, as the stuff and the things of this earth. And when that happens, then we begin to make poor choices in our life. Because at the end of the day, we just want to be happy. And if this doesn't make me happy, it must be wrong, even though I know it's right. And even though I know this is the right thing to do, it doesn't make me happy. But if I do the wrong thing, it makes me happy. So I'm going to do that because after all, Pastor Dan, I just, I just believe God wants me to be happy. And that's what we do. Let's take a look at God's happiness logic. Number two in your outline. <clears throat> this is kind of a bummer statement. God doesn't want you to be happy. Aren't you glad you showed up at church today? Right? Crack them in the head and send them on their way. Yeah, they'll show up next week. But here's, here's the reality. God doesn't want you to be happy, letter A in your outline, when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. God has created us with the ability to experience happiness. He's created us with that in us. But it doesn't need to become our little case God, right? He wants us to have the right perspective when it comes to experiencing happiness in our life.
And any time that we begin to do the wrong things or the unwise thing in order to experience happiness, God doesn't want you to experience that. And so let me share with you, and this is kind of a funny story for you. I raised, we had four boys. I was the fifth boy in my family, so I was the youngest, the runt, right? And the, and the deal was at my house that I could, I could play with my older brothers, but if I cried, my mom wouldn't let, us, let, us, let me play, uh, play with them, right? And so my next oldest brother was three and a half years older than me. And at that time, and I can't remember if it was Friday night fights or Saturday night fights, um, but all of us would sit around the, the TV and we'd watch the guys box, right? And we didn't have a lot of money, and so we all thought that looked fun, right? Because after all, it is fun. So we would go, and us, brilliant Bukert boys, we would make our own boxing gloves. It's simple. It's easy to do. You just slip on a sock over your hand, right? And you jam a bunch of T-shirts and underwear in there to give it a little bit of a, of a cushion, right? And so we would go out there in the garage because we had this converted garage. We had a little tiny house with all of us boys. So we converted this garage, and we'd go in there, and we would fight, right? And I could still hear my mom to this day say to you, I'm telling you, boys, you think it looks like it's going to be fun? It's not going to be fun. It's just a matter of minutes before one of you are going to come in here crying because you got cracked in the head. You oughtn't to do that. And we would say, but mom, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time, right? I want to be happy. And so we'd go into the garage, and my brothers had to fight me on their knees, which I'm not so sure that that was a good thing or a bad thing. But anyway, and they would then just beat the snot out of good old Danny boy, right? And, and then I'd come running in, oh, mom, I told you boys, you thought it was a good idea. It was a bad idea, right? And, and if you were raised with boys in your house, you know how that is, right? And then this is a side story, and this is one of my favorite stories. Uh, so my older brother, and he would, again, they would beat the, 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 the knife out, and just the snot out of me. So I'm boxing him, and I said, Billy, there's a thumbtack. And he looked down. <laughs> boom! Nailed him, and his eye went, boom, like that. And then I got up, and I ran for my life. <laughs> Mom, Billy's going to kill me. <laughs> What'd you boys do? And he's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> What'd you do? I told him there's a thumbtack, and I nailed him, right? My mom, here it is. You boys thought it was a good idea. It's not a good idea. You guys are, you're not, I know, my wife says, don't use the word stupid. You stupid, right? Kids and all this other stuff, right? Now, it's funny to tell those stories 40 years later. But when it's happening in your adult life today, it's not very funny, right? And that's exactly what we do. But it's fun. But it makes me happy. It makes me happy until you get the uppercut. Then it's not very happy, right? Isn't it true? I mean, let's be honest. I've said this before. Sin is fun. Because if it was like a root canal with no anesthetic, none of us would be sinning. Right? All right? No, we wouldn't. But sin is fun. But then there's the kickback. Then there's the consequence. Then there's the uppercut, right, that we experience in our life. And so when we choose to do something wrong or unwise to be happy, 
that's not the right thing to do. And so we'll hear things like this where, you know, you're, you know, I, I, I just quit my job. Well, do you have another job? No, I just quit it. Well, how are you going to pay for your house? I don't know. I'm just sick and tired of my job, and it's just going to make me happy to get rid of it. Well, that's nice, but how are you going to pay for your power? How are you going to pay for your kids going to school? How are you? I don't know. But when I walked in there and I told my boss what I thought of him and what I thought of her, I left there and I was happy. That's great. Now you have a mortgage. How happy are you? Well, I'm not that happy now. Yeah, but it makes me happy at the moment. I mean, my spouse, she doesn't meet my needs. He doesn't meet my needs anymore. I mean, you know, I said, hey, meet my needs. She looked at me like, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. So I just went out and I just found someone else to meet my needs. I'm happy now. When it's wrong or unwise, it's not what God's plan is. But it's happy. Makes me feel good. Or watch TV, watch movies. Be honest, come on. Stuff, some of the stuff is just pure trash. Pure trash. If Pastor Dan was sitting in your living room, you wouldn't be watching it. Come on, be honest. Yeah, but it makes me laugh. It's funny. Filth. Filth. Yeah, but it makes me laugh. Well, when it's wrong and unwise, God doesn't want us to do it. It doesn't matter if it makes us laugh. You know, it was fun until we got hit in the head with my older brother's elbow, and it's not fun anymore. Right? But we have this idea that God is obligated to make us happy. And it doesn't matter if it's wrong or right. As long as it makes me happy, it must be right. And then when it doesn't turn out that way, we're like, God, what did you do? He's like, you know, kind of like my mom. Well, don't come to me crying when your bro- older brother's co-cock you. You, you, wanted to, you signed up. But we have this idea in our world that God wants me to be happy. doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. I'm going to do it. Look at 1 Peter. Chapter 1, verse 15. But just as you, uh, just uh, as he who called you is happy, so be happy in all that you do. No? Did I get it? I got a wrong translation. Holy. You know what God calls us to be? Holy, not happy. He calls us to be holy. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And we have this idea, well, I just got to be happy. No. Peter says, listen, as believers, we have a different standard. And our standard is not to be happy. Our standard is to be holy. That's our standard. And that's what we ought to live in our life. But we have this false belief that God's obligated to make me happy. doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. doesn't matter if it's holy or unholy. I'm going to be happy. And so we're going to seek out that to be happy. Let her be. 
God does not want me to be happy when it's based on the things of this world. When it's based on the things of the world. Now, <clears throat> I haven't had it, praise God, in a long time. But there was a few years ago where I was having some sleeping <laughs> issues. And so, you know, you're up at 2 in the morning. Any of those out there? Right? And I tell you, there's just absolutely wonderful television at 2 in the morning. Right? Every goofy infomercial known to mankind is on there. And what's brilliant about their marketing is they will sell you the most ridiculous product known to mankind. And you will watch it for, for 30 seconds and believe that you need to have it. Come on. Am I right? Now, don't raise your hand if you own one. But one of them that just every fall and winter, I just, it, it's hilarious to me. Those snuggles. Don't, don't. I don't want to know if you own one. And I don't want one for Christmas. All right? Just keep it. Right? But, you know, FYI, for a couple hundred years, when people were cold in their living room, they just wrapped up in a blanket. All right? Now, maybe you don't, maybe you don't know that. Right? But, but somehow you watch the commercial and you have this person on the couch and they got just a regular old blanket. They're wrapped up and they're fidgeting around. Oh, life is just so miserable in this, in this blanket. And if, you know, and if I just had a hoodie and some armholes and footholes, ha! And now look at, she's laying on the couch like, you know, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And they're like, ha! It's wonderful here in Snuggieville. Right? But wait, if you order one now, we'll send one for your spouse, right? Now, again, I don't want to throw any guys under the bus unless you want to raise your hand, and I will. But I'm just thinking, for me, I'm not a snuggy kind of guy, all right? Maybe, maybe you are, and, you know, more power to you if it feels good on your footies and all that stuff. Hoodie, footy, you know, all that stuff, right? Have a, have a good time. But, but, but the funny thing is, some of you guys, I have one, and this is just not right. I'm pretty sure Pastor Dan just crossed the sin line right there. This is offensive. All right, well, good. Get over it. So here we go. All right? So, but, but the reality is you watch that stuff, and whether it's a reel to wind up your hose or something to throw in your you know, trailer, they make it wonderful. And if you just had it, all your problems would be gone. And life would be wonderful, right? And it's brilliant marketing. And we buy that. Not the Snuggie. We buy the logic of that happiness. And so here's how the formula works. The world's formula for happiness, tell me if I'm wrong, better possessions, peaceful circumstances, thrilling experiences, right relationships, because if she's not right or he's not right, hey, just trade them in. Just get a different version, right? And then some of something that all of you struggle with, with the exception of me, is the perfect appearance. <laughs> I know every Sunday you come up and you go, that's perfect right there, right? Just kidding, right? And it equals happiness. And that's what we think. Do you, do you agree with that? That's what we think. And if we can just tag in a couple of them, we don't have to have them all. I mean, we don't want to be greedy. Just one or two. And we'll think that's perfect. And that's the world's formula for happiness. The problem is every single one of those things change. Isn't it true? I'm thinking back to my childhood, the boxing park. 
avocado green. Anybody? Right? If I'm 51, so if you grew up in the 70s, we had avocado green everywhere. Countertops, carpet, appliances, coffee maker, phones, right? Avocado green and antique white. Right? Some of you are going, yep. Some of you younger people are like, Ava, you mean that, like, that you go to like a restaurant and the avocado dip, is that, that's the color of it. Exactly. Right. That is it. You're like, well, that looks like something that's in a diaper. It's like, yeah, it really, it did, it did, right? But all those things change. If you walked into a house today and you had that, and who knows, maybe it's in style nowadays, but you walk into it, you'd go, where have they been? <laughs> it's not 1970, right? I mean, whatever color's in style. Peaceful circumstances, thrilling experiences, Right relationships, perfect appearances, happiness. And that's what we think the formula is. And we buy it. And we think, God, you're obligated because click, click, I prayed, I went to church, I listened to the little guy, I did all these things, I helped the thing, I didn't run over the cat. Happiness. Where's it at? You owe it to me. And if you don't give it to me, there's either a problem with you or you have a problem with me and I'm not interested and I walk, walk away from it. Look what John says <clears throat> in John chapter 1, verse 2 and following. Do not love the world. And you say, well, good. I've never looked at like a globe and said, I love that, right? <clears throat> doesn't mean the physical world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father cannot be in him. Go ahead and stop. So here it is. This is what John says. It is impossible to love God 100% and have any love for the world at all. You'll hear athletes say, I'm going to give 120% can't give 120%, right? 411, you only have 100%, right? All, that's all you can put in. And so he says, John says this in, in, in his writing, he says, listen, if you love God, you can't love the world because they're polar opposites. You, it, it's impossible to do. So either you're going to end up loving God or you're going to end up loving the world but you can't have kind of a blended mix, middle ground here. It's not possible. You're going to love the world or you're going to love God. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16, for everything in the world, and here's the definition, the craving of the sinful man, and that, that is the lust or the deviant lifestyle that us as sinners live. Okay, We're all sinners, and so there's this deviant lifestyle or or, or thoughts and so forth that we have in our life. So the craving of the sinful man, the lust of <clears throat> his eyes, and the boasting of what he, what's the word? And does, right? So it's the deviant thinking, the deviant looking at the world, you know, the things of the world, the stuff that you have that you pile up in your living room and you bow down and worship it subconsciously, 
your little case G God, right? And all the things that you achieve that you walk around filled with yourself. If you love God, you can't do that stuff because they're polar opposites. And if you do that, then you're out of balance of where God would have you to be because you end up loving the things of this earth. Verse 17, the world and its desires pass away. And that that little phrase there in the Greek, desires pass away means it vanishes or disappears. So whether it be a person who dies and, uh, you know, I've done probably 250 funerals, never a U-Haul truck behind the hearse because you can't take your stuff with you, right? The family will fight over it, but you can't take it with you. So whether it be someone who dies before the Lord's return, or in this case where he's talking about, is that the Lord returns and what we know of this earth is going to disappear. And he says, so why would you invest all of your life and all of your love and all of your might in something that's going to disappear? It's like someone saying to you, hey, I have some Enron stock. Does anybody want to buy it? And you go, why would you buy it? It's bankrupt. And John would go, you're right. It is bankrupt. And yet, in, in our life as believers, we end up, we end up worshiping the, the creation opposed to the creator. And we begin to love the things of this earth and in the running in our background and our mind is this idea that God's obligated to make me happy. He says, for the desires of this world pass away, but the man who does the will of, of God lives forever. Lives forever. And yet when we have this false theology of this man's logic of happiness, then that's what we're going to pursue. That's what we're going to spend our life chasing after. We're not going to pursue him. We're going to pursue the things of this earth. And John says you can't do that. You can't love God and love the earth and the world and all the trappings of it. It, 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 it can't be your God in your life. So what does God want us to do? Number three, God wants you to be blessed. He doesn't want you to be happy. <clears throat> Happiness comes from that Latin word happenstance, letter A in your outline. And so happiness is based on happenings. So if circumstances are good, I'm happy. If circumstances are bad, I'm not happy. Okay? <clears throat> blessed is different. Look with me in your outline in B. A blessed life is based on his goodness and his presence in your life. Not happiness. Now here's what happens with believers today. If Pastor Dan says, hey, God bless you. You know what we think of? We think of probably three or four things. Health, finances, right? Things. Hey, God bless you. Ah, oh, money, health, possessions, stuff. And that's what we think when someone says bless you. We, we, we think that that's what, it, what we're referring to. But it has, it, that's not what we're referring to. We're referring to experiencing his goodness and his presence in your life. Because the reality is, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Now think about this. 
on one hand, we as believers in, in America believe that God wants us to be happy. And in order for us to be happy, we have to have all good experiences. Right? Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Right? He's giving them a little bit of a warning. And here's why. In this world, you will have trouble. So on one hand, we think God is obligated to make me happy. In order for me to have happiness, I just got to have smooth sailing everywhere I go. And Jesus, midway through his earthly ministry, says, hey, let me just give you kind of a little warning. There's going to be problems on this earth. But here's the good news. And you go back to that, the beginning of the verse. I've told you these things, uh, these things so that in me you may have not happiness, but peace. We experience peace when you seek his presence and when you seek him. Regardless of the circumstances that you're going through or living in, you're able to experience peace. Well, why? Because it's not based on outside circumstances. In fact, he goes on and he tells you what it's based on. He says, in this world, you're going to have troubles, but uh, trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Right? So we don't pursue happiness. We pursue him. And the byproduct of, uh, of pursuing him is peace in a world that's filled with trouble. And that's where we need to kind of keep our eyes on and focusing on. And so the supernatural peace that we experience in life comes from him, not the circumstances in which we're living. And, and, and as believers, I, I just I wrestle with them so, with so many, you know, hearing it and talking with folks. And it's like, well, God's obligated to make me happy. No, he's not. He's not obligated to make you happy. He's obligated to give you peace. When you seek him. But if you're not going to seek him, then you're not going to experience the peace. Well, I gave my life to Jesus when I was five. Great. But the seeking is a daily, moment-by-moment journey in our life, isn't it? It's not something, well, when I was eight, I invited Jesus in my heart at a vacation Bible school. Good. What have you done since then? Right? We seek him and we experience the peace in which only he can give. Let me share with you Psalms 37. <clears throat> Psalms 37 verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Here it is. I prayed. I went to church. I listened to the little guy. Right? I even laughed at his jokes. I didn't like the cat part. That was mean. Right? And I put in, I put in my tokens. I delighted in the Lord. Lord, you know what I need? What do you need? I need money. I need things. I need health. I need stuff. It's not what that verse says. The word delight in the Hebrew means pliable or soft. I was going to bring up Play-Doh, but Play-Doh makes me sick. Just the smell, the smell of it just makes me nauseous. We all played with Play-Doh. Oh, all right. How many of you made Play-Doh back in the old days? Flour and was it flour and water or something like that? Right? Salt, right? 
cat hair. <laughs> Does he hate cats? Bring your cat over, I'll show you. <laughs> now, there's a couple animals and, and, and creatures that when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God about. Mosquitoes, any complaints on that? Snakes, cats. All right? <laughs> but they're just such independent little things, right? So where was I? Pliable and soft. Here we go. Yeah, Play-Doh, thanks. Focus, focus, focus. <laughs> Pastor Danny, did he take his ADD medicine? No, I didn't. <laughs> you need to, I know. That's my problem. So we all take the Play-Doh and we conform it around a shape, a finger, whatever it is. We've all done that, right? That, that's what the word delight means, soft and pliable, okay? That we are to take our life, that we are to allow it to be soft and pliable, to be shaped or conformed into the image of Christ. And when we allow our life to be soft and pliable, for God to take the Play-Doh and conform it around our hand or around whatever it is that he's shaping us to be, when we, when we delight in him and we allow it to be conformed, he gives us the desires of our heart, not this heart, the inner emotions of our life. You want to know why? Because at that moment, when you're conformed to his image, your heart and his heart are the same. Because you are willing to put away your desires to be conformed into his image in your life. Therefore, your wishes, your wants, your desires are in harmony with his. And so when we read that verse, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart, and we think, Wah! anything we want, he's obligated to give. No, that's not what it means. It means when you're soft and pliable and he conforms you into his image, then you will have the desires of not your heart, but really his desires for you because your heart and his heart will be running parallel with each other. And see, we don't, we don't see that though. And if you go back to Psalms 97 verse uh, 12 in, in the NIV translation, it says rejoice, and then what's the next word? In, right? Rejoice in the Lord. That is to be soft and pliable to allow him to kind of swallow up your life. You who are righteous, praise his holy name. Now let me share this and we're going to end. And this is like a, kind of a classic story. You got, <clears throat> I don't know, if, you, if there's any animal lovers, come back next week. I won't, pick up on, I won't pick on any animals. But we all like fishing. Well, most of us like fishing, right? And you catch the fish. For those of you who are animal lovers, they jump out of the boat, they jump out of the water into the boat. No harm, no barbed hooks, everything's good, right? We don't practice catch and release, we eat them, that's what we do. So anyway, imagine you got the little fish, right? And you pull it out of the water, and you set in your garage, and you built a little chair for fish. And you put them on his little chair, and you say, fish, 
you just sit there. I'm going to go get you a fish drink. And you run over to the fish bar and you say, I'll take, yeah, the one with the umbrella, please. 28 bucks for a Slurpee. Sure, I'll take two of them. Okay, here we go. And we run back our little fish drink and we go, here, Mr. Fish, here's a drink for you. You need to sit and relax and have fun because God wants you to be happy. Let me just ask you. Feel like you're in preschool, right? Do you, do you think that the fish is happy sitting on the beach? No, I mean, he's like, right? Gills flapping. You want to know why he's not happy? Because he's not made to lay on the beach. He's made for the water. This can be an aha moment for many of you. You are not made for this earth. And if you sit on the beach and you get your umbrella drink and you got all your cool things and all your stuff and all your whatever it is that you've been seeking to have and you traded him for her and her for it and them and that and all the other stuff, you're going to be sitting on the, on the beach and you will never find contentment. You want to know why? Because you're like a fish out of water. God did not create you for earth for all eternity. We're just passing through. And if we buy into the value system of this earth, we are going to be the fish, as goofy as it sounds and as silly of an illustration as it is, sitting on the beach with our umbrella drink, our gills are flapping, and we're not content or happy. Because God created you to live all eternity in heaven. And this earth, we are just passing through. And if you buy the value system of the earth and you try to in, uh, uh, bring it into your life, you will never, you will never find it. And this is why, this is why, folks, that believers and unbelievers chase the rainbow of happiness in their life. And it is a rainbow that they never will catch up to. And even if they do, for a moment, they will experience happiness. And then that version will be out of date. And those shoes will no longer be in. And she won't, and he won't, and it won't. And happiness will be gone. And as believers, the world, we expect that. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we are foolish, we are foolish to think that it's going to bring us that contentment and that happiness in our life. And if you can just grab a hold of that and recognize that God does not want you to be happy, he wants you to be holy. He wants you to pursue him and not the little g stuff that this world has to offer. He is not obligated to make you happy. You are obligated to seek and to serve him. And when you have the right frame of mind and the right values and the right vision of who you're seeking after, you will not find happiness. You will find peace in your life. Even, even when it looks horrible, you will find peace. And so the idea of happiness, oh, what's the big deal? It's not a big deal. 
I think it's incredibly dangerous. It's incredibly dangerous. And the choices that I've heard people make, all in the context of, well, God wants me to be happy, is destructive. It's the uppercut that eventually they experience. And at that point, 